Well, hey, listen, we're in for a great treat today. Uh, many of you know our good friend Daniel and Megan McGuire. Um, Daniel came to know the Lord uh, years ago. Uh, how long ago was that, Daniel? Do you know when you really came back to the Lord? Let's say it like that. 2010, so we kind of hooked up, uh, met each other 2010. Um, I was doing a little Bible study at Columbia Southern. I, I told everybody, all the employees, that I would give them a free Subway sandwich if they came to the Bible study. Daniel came and gave his heart to the Lord, and and um, a couple weeks later, I gave him keys to the building so he could open up and lock down. <laughs> I mean, he, would, we, we, he jumped in the fast lane, but I found that a lot of times the way to a person's spirit is through their mouth. Come on, their belly. It's through the stomach. Come on. And uh, something about food gets a, gets you going. So anyway, Daniel responded, man, Daniel has been a, a blessing. We've walked together and worked together for years now. Um, done, he's done youth ministry. We've done youth camps. We've traveled on mission trips together. Uh, we've just done it all. And, then, and now he and his lovely wife and family are missionaries. We launched them out into Germany. We support them as a local church on a monthly basis over there in Germany where they pastor an English-speaking congregation, congregations, in fact, uh, in Germany, and uh, doing a bang-up job, doing a great job. And so this morning, uh, they're back just for a couple days, and we asked them to come speak for us. And so they said, yes, we'd love to do that. So can we all stand to our feet, give a big summit welcome to Pastor Daniel McGuire. Come on. Come on, what's up, Summit? You good? You're good. This is the uh, this is the lunch crowd, right? You're ready for lunch. You're already hungry. This is you you get in your church seat and then your stomach starts rumbling. Well, that's okay. I got good news. We're fasting today, so we can just go right through lunch. And JP said I got an hour, and uh, we'll be here a while. Okay, just tuck in. Somebody, somebody came for the first time. They're like, oh crap, we got to get out of here. Sneak out the back, no. Um, hey, so honored to be here, and uh, God has been so good. First of all, let me just say, um, we would not be in Germany. My wife, Megan, we have a newborn. We just had a baby in Germany in another country, um, and we would not be in Germany. We would not be where we are. We would not be um, in ministry. We would not be a lot of places if it wasn't for Pastor JP and Melissa. Can we honor them? Can't tell you how many times he sat down at Starbucks with me and answered all the hard questions I had and poured into me and Melissa. And man, I, I tell you, it's been, um, it's been a journey. We so honor you guys and we appreciate it. We appreciate you, Summit Church, for uh, allowing us to do what we get to do. Just before we arrived, three, uh, that, the Sunday before we left, um, we baptized three people. Um, and let me just tell you how significant that is because in Germany right now, we are on complete lockdown. You're only allowed to see one person. Um, and so we thought, man, this is impossible to baptize people, but Jesus said to do it, so we got to do it. Um, and three people wanted to be baptized. So in my backyard, we filled a pool. I'm going back there with boiling water, dumping it in, 35 degrees. Um, and we had to schedule them to come. We videoed it. We had to schedule them to come one after the other, and we baptized three people um, just before we left. God is doing so much more. We've seen healings. Um, we've seen so much discipleship happen. 
Um, we've seen people step into um, into a relationship with God, into um, baptism. It's been so, so cool. And even this year, man, I don't know about you, but 2020 was one of those. You had plans for 2020, and it got all messed up. And I had plans for 2020, so I'm going to accomplish it all in 2021. So it's just double plans and vision. Um, but we, we're hoping in 2021 to start um, three new services just in the region that we, uh, that we oversee and that we pastor, um, and not just three services in one space, but we want to start three services uh, within 30 minutes to an hour away so we can reach new people. One of those, hopefully, is going to be a German-speaking service. We do not speak German. Um, we are learning German right now, so um, we cannot preach in German, but we're going to equip people to do it and raise people up. So we're so excited what God is doing, and we're honored that you're a part of that. So give yourselves a hand for... Being a part of that, let me tell you, um, I'm going to preach the word. That's what I came to do. Came all the way from Germany, KLM, and went delayed flight to preach to you. That sounds good, right? We're visiting family too, but you know, you're more important right now. So, um, Germany, it was interesting. Uh, a lot of you've probably lived in different places. Some of you've lived in other cultures. And I remember, I remember when we first get, got ready to leave, and we had some missionaries tell us, and we went through a, a missionary class, and they even said to us, man, you got to get ready for the culture shock. Uh, it's coming, you know, it's coming. So we're, we're about almost two years in right now. We're still waiting for the, the culture shock, you know. We're still waiting for that moment for it to hit us. They made it sound like you're going to be curled up in a ball in your living room, singing Sweet Home Alabama, waiting, ready for, to come back home, you know. And uh, we, we were still waiting for that to happen, I believe, because the favor of God has been on it. It's been amazing. But can I tell you, the culture is different in Germany. I'm just going to, I'll give you a few examples. One of those being, um, you know, at a crosswalk, there's a red light that comes and there's a green light, you know, and the green light says walk. That's what that means. In case you didn't know, the red light means don't walk. And um, here in, in America, I've found that it, that's a suggestion. If there's no cars coming, you just walk anyways, right? If it's red, you just walk. Um, not, a, not too big of a deal. But in Germany, I don't care if it's 3 a.m. in the morning. There's no cars to be seen. Everybody in the city's quarantined. If it's a red light, you're going to have 25 Germans sitting there waiting for the red light to go. And that was one of the things that blew my mind. I'm like, can we just walk, you know, and you walk and they yell at you? It's crazy. I, I was sitting outside of our kids' kindergarten the other day, and I had the car turned on. Megan ran in to go get the kids from kindergarten, and I got yelled at for having my car on. The culture's different, you know? I was just trying to keep it warm. Uh, the, we, had a, we, had a, we had our first baby, or well, third baby, first baby in Germany, um, and that was a whole new experience to have a baby in a German hospital with German midwives, German speakers. We didn't know what to do. We thought we were doing it all over again. It was crazy. The culture's different. The culture's different. And, our, you know, you come, you come here and you start seeing big uh, southern comforts driving around and things like that. Not, when we drove into Pensacola, uh, flew into Pensacola, started driving around, you start seeing all the big trucks and stuff like that. I'm like, man, I am home. I got some big trucks because there's only little cars because there's little parking spots or no parking spots. And we, we, we even only have one car, public transportation for me, a ton of times, buses, trains, things like that, which I so love and I so enjoy. God has been good through it all. While there's cultures in different nations, there's cultures in different states, there's cultures in your home. There's a different culture in your home from your spouse's home. You remember when you got married, for those of you who are married, and you found out that they grew up in a different culture in, than you did. 
you found out that you had to teach that man how to put the toilet seat down. Or I remember when Megan and I got married, she was doing laundry and she yelled, she yelled at me across the house, yelled at me. And I came in so angry. I said, Megan, why are you mad at me? Why are you yelling at me? She says, I'm not yelling at you. I said, yes, you are. And we discovered later it was because in my home, we didn't yell. In her home, that's how they communicated. That's how they showed each other that they loved each other. They yelled. And we, had a, we found out very quickly that it was a different culture. I want to tell you today that there is a culture, not only in different nations, worlds, your marriage or whatever it may be, but there is a culture in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has a culture. And I want to talk to you today about culture shock. Culture shock. Let me read to you 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, it says this. Do not love the world or anything in the world. Your truck, your boat, Whataburger. If anyone loves the world, it doesn't mean you can't like it. Woo. I'm pretty sure I've said I love Chick-fil-A a few times since I've been back. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. We can leave this verse where it stands and let it just cut our hearts open and do surgery. Love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires will pass away. Somebody needs to hear that today, that you can put your hope in the things of this world. You can put your hope in those desires. You could chase it until your legs give out, but it will always pass away. The money, the position at work, it will always pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. You, we need to understand, here's the problem. The, the kingdom of God has a culture, but it, star, it is a stark opposition to the culture of this world. The kingdom culture that we, that we are after, that we are seeking, is in stark opposition to the culture of this world. You don't have to look far in scripture and then to examine your social media or to examine the news to see that kingdom culture is so much different and opposes and rubs up against the culture of this world. But as, a, as believers and as a church and as Christians, we are meant, we are not meant to adapt to that culture in this world. See, a lot of you are trying to, we're trying to fit in, we're trying to get by, I can, I can just look like the world and, and I could go to church and I could do my things. We are not meant to adapt to the things of this world. We are meant to affect the world with the culture of heaven. And here's what happens. As Christians, I'm just, I, can, I can get back on a plane and go to Germany. So if I make you mad, you can just call me. You know, roaming charges may apply. And so, so many times we're trying to build our own kingdom. Christians, believers, we're building our own kingdom. And then we say, you know what? We'll take some of these Christian values and we flavor our kingdom that we're trying to build with Christian values. We're, we're, we're taking Jesus, and Jesus becomes the, the bobblehead in our little kingdom. Oh, I got Jesus. But the Bible says when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. 
It doesn't say when he's, when he's Savior. When he's Lord, everybody wants a Savior. Not too many people will submit to a Lord. You have to understand that Jesus is king of this kingdom. There is a king. I just want to take a journey really quickly through scripture. And it, this is going to allow me to preach five sermons in one. Because I only get to be with you for a day. I want to take a journey because I think what we'll find is, is that we'll find that Jesus' life was always rubbing up against the culture of this world. To the point, to the point the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, had to crucify him. They said, we got to get rid of this guy. we got to take him out. Because, because he's messing up our plans. He's messing up our will. He's messing up our culture. He's messing up what we want to do. He's messing everything up because it was in stark contrast to the culture of the world. You remember the story, for those of you who know, Jesus walks into the temple and they're selling goods and Jesus starts flipping tables. That's renegade. Jesus is crazy. He starts flipping tables over. Why? Because the culture of the kingdom of God is so much different than the culture he was experiencing and seeing. He couldn't take it anymore. He starts flipping tables. My house will be called a house of prayer, he said. You, this will not be a den of robbers and thieves. Why? Because he came from a culture. He said, I can't have it. I can't take it anymore. The world culture is not like the culture of the kingdom that I rule over. I need to. And he starts flipping tables. I love this story. Two times... In Scripture, he heals on the Sabbath. He heals on the Sabbath, and you didn't do that. You didn't pray for nobody. You didn't, you didn't do work on the Sabbath. Sabbath was meant to be holy. You didn't do anything. There was so much religion and tradition around it, and Jesus heals a paralyzed man on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees get so frustrated and mad at him. And then he heals a man's hand on the Sabbath. Why? Because you have to understand that while the culture of this world is about programs and about position and about politics, the culture of the kingdom of God is about people. And Jesus said, I don't care what day it is. I don't care what hour it is. I am about people and I want to see them healed. I am about healing and my kingdom is about healing. If you don't shout, I'm going to yell louder. I'll preach to church online. Put some fire emojis in the chat. If there's a chat, I don't know. What's up, online church? Welcome. Jesus, oh, this one's so good for our culture today and the time we live in and everything going on. Jesus, Jesus says to his disciples, hey, we're going on a little trip, but we're going to go through Samaria. And oh, you didn't go through Samaria. As a Jew, you didn't go through Samaria. That was, the, that was the hood for Jews. They didn't want to go through. Oh, no. We're not going there, Jesus. Not only did Jesus take them through Samaria, Samaria, he prayed for a Samaritan woman. He ministered to a Samaritan woman. The first person that wasn't a Jew that was ever ministered to. And so this was so culturally wrong this was so against the world culture and the religious culture. 
This was not, see, this is what our world does. Our world likes, our world is all about division. You, we, like to, we like to be around the people we like to be around. You know what I'm talking about. That look like you, talk like you, have the same political beliefs as you do, have the same theology as you. We like to be around people and get in clicks with people who say yes to us and agree with us. We don't like to be uncomfortable with the people we're around. But that's not the culture of the kingdom of God. The culture of the kingdom of God is not diversity or is not a division. It is unity. He says, you know what? We're going to go through Samaria. I'm going I'm to do so, something so culturally wrong in this world that I'm going to shake things up and I'm going to talk to this woman. I'm going to minister to this woman because he was making a statement that my kingdom is about unity. Amen. Guys, we, gotta, we have got to get off of our little cliques and out of our little spaces and you ought to have, somebody, have coffee with somebody who isn't like you. Quit getting on Facebook and getting mad at what they're posting and sit down and have coffee and ask questions. Nobody does that in here. Because, because in the kingdom of God, there's no, there's no aisles. There's no political aisles, aisles to cross over. There's, it's just the kingdom. It's just the government of the kingdom. It's just, it's just his people. And, and everybody, listen, when somebody walks into the church building that doesn't look like you, doesn't look like a Christian, they, you, you, you saw them the other night out uh, partying and living it up, you ought to get excited because they don't look like you because that's the church. That's the kingdom of God. Unity. Jesus would say things like, listen, and this is the king of kings, the Lord of lords speaking. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. Wait, Jesus, if you're the Lord, if you're the king, shouldn't everybody serve you? But that's not why I came. Because I came to reveal something that is in my kingdom. I came to reveal humility and servanthood that is in my kingdom. And Jesus would bend down to his disciples' feet. They were unschooled. They, didn't, they, they, they hadn't gone through much training. They were, they were just uh, misfits. And he bends down and washes their feet because the kingdom of God is about humility. When the world is about, where's my platform? Where's my platform? Show me, show, show me where I can sit. Show, show me my next promotion. Show me how I can get there. Nobody's noticing me. And the world, is about, the world is about that platform while the kingdom of God is about, I'm gonna get under that platform and I'm gonna wash your feet and I'm gonna serve you right where you're at. I don't care what you look like, how you act, I'm gonna serve you. The same person that hates, that you hate, you ought to be the person that you get down and serve. You see, the culture of the kingdom of God isn't easy. And that's why it rubs against the culture of the world. It's humility. That's why James, James and John's mom, I don't know if any of you are one of those moms in here, or maybe you had one of your moms like that. They were ready for you to get out of the house, and so they started filling out job applications for you. <laughs> this was James and John's mom. She was, she was proactive for them. She approaches Jesus and says, hey, James and John, um, can you make a place, Jesus, for them in your kingdom? Can you give them a seat on your right or left? And Jesus then preaches a sermon. He says, listen, you, they, they, they have no idea. You don't know. Can you even take this cup I'm about to drink? He says, the, the, least, the greatest among you will be the least. While the world is about position, the kingdom of God is about humility and serving.
I came to serve. And if you grew up in church, you might know the story of Mary and Martha. Jesus shows up at Mary and Martha's house. They're having brunch. I really don't know what time it was, but it sounds delicious. And Mary is sitting there at Jesus' feet. Martha's in there cleaning, doing the dishes, doing her thing. And in the world's eyes, Martha was doing everything that was right. Martha, Martha was getting the task done. Mary was lazy. Mary's sitting there in her, in her laziness just, c- come on. You know, Mary was probably the one who talked a lot, right? She's just talking to Jesus. Get in here and do some dishes, Mary. Martha said something to her like that. Why are, you, why are you being lazy? And Jesus said to Martha, actually, Mary's doing what is right because Jesus was revealing something in the kingdom is that you don't have to, it's not about works. The world is about works. Listen, the world, every other religion, every other religion besides Christianity is about doing enough to get to God. And see, that's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is that, is that your position already is a son and daughter of the king. Ooh, I love to tell, I love to tell this story to my, to my daughter. They're always telling me, Dad, tell a story at night. Tell a story. And I'm not really great at telling stories, so I just made this one up. And I didn't know any um, good ones. And I tried to do Bible stories, but I, told, I tell them a story about the kingdom of God. They don't know it's about the kingdom of God, but when they grow up, they'll know. I say, I say Glory, that's her name. I say, Glory, uh, there's a princess. Oh, she gets excited. There's a princess, and she lives in a castle. Oh, and the kingdom is big, and she has, there's treats, and there's games, and she always goes, games? I'm like, yeah, there's games. And, and God is the king. God is the king. Oh, and he loves pr- the princess so much. But once, a, but once in a while, the princess would look out the window and see the world and see outside of the kingdom, and she decided to take a journey one day to see if she would be happier out there. Some of you might recognize the story of the prodigal son. So she leaves, and she realizes that it's not easy. It, it's, it's a tough time. She realizes that everything that she thought that was going to happen, everything that was going to fulfill her could not fulfill her, so she decides to go back. Oh, man, and God, the king, throws her a big party when she comes back, and she gets so excited. That's the story I tell her at night. Why? Well, because I'm trying to show her that it's about the kingdom of God. It's about the kingdom of God, God's kingdom, because it's not, it's not what you do. It's not about works. It's about the position. You're already a son. You're already a daughter. You need to serve from a seat and not for a seat. And so many of us in our Christianity, come on, listen to me really quickly. We're trying to work for approval from God, and that's not the kingdom of God. We're trying so hard to be good enough to be fixed up. We're trying so hard to look good. We're trying so hard. It was such a struggle to put your Christian face on this morning because it didn't fit like it used to. And I'm telling you, it's not about works. It's about your position in the kingdom of God. And from that place you work, from your sonship and your daughtership, that's where you work from. That's what you do. It's not an excuse to be lazy, but it's, for, it's, it's how you picture it. It's how you view it. It's a perspective on how I serve. It's a perspective on how I operate. Mary and Martha is a perfect example. We can't have a works mentality. One powerful story in scripture. I told you we're taking a journey. These are all my sermons that I wanted to preach. I could. The, the Pharisees and the Sadducees are in the temple and they're sitting there watching as all the people come by and write their checks, their offerings, their tithes. And they're like, oh, man, look at that check. I saw a couple zeros on that one. Do you see it? Look at that. 
and they start noticing. And then all of a sudden, a widow comes by. The Bible says she puts two mites in, and they start grumbling. Oh, seriously? Look at all these people giving so much. And here's this woman giving two mites. Jesus says to them, listen, she's given more than all of you. She's given more than all of you. He was disrupting the culture of this world. See, because the culture of this world says more, more, more. It's about much. It's about much. But the culture of the kingdom of God says generosity. That's a culture in the kingdom of God. It's a culture of generosity. That's why when somebody comes up here and, and, and talks about tithes and offerings, it, and they say don't give out at an obligation because it shouldn't be an obligation. It should be just who is, is, how we, is how we roll. When it's a culture, it's how we roll. If you've been in the South long enough, you don't even have to think about saying y'all, and you say y'all because it's how we roll. When you're in the kingdom of God, you operate in a culture of generosity, and it shouldn't be, I just, that's how I do. I'm a generous person because I'm a kingdom person. It's how we roll. It's the kingdom of God. And then there's so many others, things in the kingdom of peace, joy, patience, kindness, some things we need to operate in on a daily basis when somebody pulls out in front of us in traffic, kingdom principles, kingdom cultures. But one of the most powerful was at the moment when Jesus is on the cross and he's sitting there and he's being mocked, he's being spit on, and he's taking your sin upon you. He's sitting there on the cross and he's, and, 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 and he's bleeding out and he's dying and he's being crucified. And to the same people who have crucified him, he says, forgive them for they know not what they do. And we find it so hard to forgive the person who said something wrong to us at our, at our family Thanksgiving meal. We find it so hard to forgive somebody who rejected us, our boss who fired us, and we find it so hard in our heart to forgive them. But can I tell you, the world that we live in is a world of cancel culture. Have you heard this today? Cancel culture. Mess with me and I'll unfollow you. Mess with me and I'll, I'll put you on blast all over social media. I'm going to let all of our friend circle know what you did in my own perspective. You're going to get yours. But the kingdom of God is a culture of forgiveness. That's why it blew the disciples' mind. That's why it blew people's mind when Jesus would say, hey, listen, don't just forgive, but forgive 70 times 7 a day. It's a culture of the kingdom of forgiveness. I hope, I hope today somebody's even just being set free. You have to know that you're being, when, you, when you live in that unforgiveness, you're being locked up. You're just going in circles in the world's culture. That's why it's the world system. It's, you're just doing this. You're just in the spin cycle, <laughs> being tossed around like a pair of shoes in the washing machine. Don't you hate that noise? That's you when you live in unforgiveness. You're just in the, in the world system. And to be free, you got to say, I got to live a cultural principle. I got to live a cultural kingdom culture. I got, I, I have to, I have to live in forgiveness. It's not easy. That's why you got to do it 70 times seven. But you got to live in that principle. I want to read to you John chapter two. This is a word I feel for, for, for the church and for you as we talk about the kingdom of God, because here's the deal. The kingdom of God is not some faraway place. It lives in us. 
The kingdom of, the kingdom of God is coming. That's why, listen, Jesus, when he, when he came, he told us to pray, your kingdom come. If Jesus tells you to pray something, then it's important. Your kingdom come. He would say things, listen, the kingdom is like. The kingdom is like a seed. The kingdom is like a sower. The kingdom is like, the kingdom is like, the kingdom is like. Because Jesus was trying to show us the culture of the kingdom. And when we embrace the culture of the kingdom, they don't become rules. Somebody today has been following Christian rules your whole life. And you need to follow a culture. It just comes out of you. Culture just comes out of you. And Jesus was trying to show us this picture. In the first recorded miracle in John chapter 2, Jesus turns water into wine. And I used to think, man, that was an excuse to go get hammered, you know? Well, Jesus turned water into wine, so I can do what I want. Can I tell you, this is the, it, it, it's not an excuse to go get hammered. In fact, what Jesus was trying to do was reveal his kingdom. He was revealing his kingdom. John chapter 2, can I read it? Are you, are you still with me, 11? Come on. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus was the mother there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. Jesus apparently was not from the south. Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. Can I, can I, somebody's been asking, what is my next step? Is this, is this all for me? What is my next step in Christianity? Maybe you've just given your life to the Lord. Maybe you've, maybe you've never made that decision. All you need to do is this right here. Do whatever he tells you. His mother said to his servants, do whatever he, he being Jesus, do whatever he tells you. It's about obedience. It's not about perfection. Do whatever he tells you. Near, nearby stood six. Somebody say six. Say six. We won't do it again. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The servants, say the servants knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine, after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory. He revealed his glory. You see, glory is the kingdom of God. Because the Bible says he is the king of glory. Glory is the kingdom. He was revealing his kingdom. And his disciples 
believed in him. Can I tell you today that the kingdom of God has a culture, but you are meant to be carriers of that culture. You are meant to be carriers of the kingdom of God. Those six jars, now I need you to understand that six in the Bible is the number of man. On the sixth day, man was created. It's the number of man. That's why there's the number 666, and that's why we didn't say it. Somebody get mad at me. There were six jars, imperfect, because seven is the number of perfection. Not only were there six jars, the jars that were used were used for, that the Jews used for ceremonial cleansing. That ceremonial cleansing could have been um, a, a woman had to be ceremonial cleansed after their monthly time. People with impurities would have to be ceremonial cleansed. Needless to say, you do not want to drink out of the water that is put in this jar. They're messy. They're, they weren't meant for drinking out of. They were meant for washing your stuff away. But, but, but Jesus, he chose to use them. He chose to use these imperfect jars. Not only did he choose to use the imperfect jars, he didn't choose to use the master of the banquet. He didn't choose to use, he chose to use the servants to reveal the kingdom, to reveal what he was doing. Because you see that water for us represents the mess, the junk, the dirt. And what God wants to do, this is, this, if, if you don't catch anything I say, catch this. You are that vessel. Some of you already knew that you were messed up like that vessel. Some of you maybe need a reality check. You're that vessel. I am that vessel. And God chose to use me, a broken, messed up, undeserving vessel, to reveal his kingdom. You see, it was the, it was the best wine at the banquet. It was, it was the best wine at the banquet. Everybody had already tasted the mediocre wine. And maybe you've been like me and you've tasted the mediocre things of this world. And you've kept, you've kept having to drink with the culture of this world. And you've kept having to sip on the culture of this world. You've kept having to take in the culture of this world to try to satisfy. Oh, but it runs out. There's no more wine. It, it, it runs out. And what God is saying is he's saying, I have a kingdom and I want to get it to the earth. And I'm going to do it through you. I'm going to do it through an imperfect vessel. And I'm going to use servants to reveal it. I'm not going to use the bride and groom at the wedding. I'm not going to use the master at the wedding. I'm going to use the servants. That's good news for you and me. Because, because I'm just unschooled ordinary. I'm just an ordinary guy. And that's okay because God wants to do extraordinary things through ordinary vessels. And the culture of the kingdom of God. When we say, listen, I was, I was praying the other day. God told you to, he said, pray, your kingdom come. So I was praying, God, your kingdom come. And I felt like he told me, Daniel, you don't know what you're praying when you pray your kingdom come. I say, teach me, God. 
Because what I was thinking is, God, change our city, change the kingdom come. And that's all great, right? Kingdom come in, the, in, in their life. They really need the kingdom, yeah? You pray for people. But God is saying, when you're praying your kingdom come, he, he, it, what you're praying is the reign of God. And he has to reign. He has to be the Lord. He has to be the king of your heart before he's the king of the earth. Like, he, he has to be the king of your heart before he flows through you. And what you're praying when you pray your kingdom come is you're praying, God, be the Lord of my life. Reign in my heart. It's not about my little kingdom I'm trying to build anymore. Use me. So if we want to see, if we want to see the kingdom come, then we need to be vessels despite however we've been used. You see, he wants to use you despite how you were used. And some of you got a testimony that you don't even want to talk about. But it's okay. Because he wants to reveal his kingdom through you. Somebody needs to walk away and forgive somebody today because it's the culture. Somebody needs to be generous today because it's the culture of the kingdom of God. Somebody needs to cross the aisle and have a conversation with somebody that you've never had a conversation with because, they don't have the, because they're not the same political party as you. And, and, and you've been so mad and you've been so frustrated. You've been in bitterness, but you need to cross the aisle, have coffee with them. Phone them up and ask, ask questions. I've asked so many questions in this season. The kingdom of God wants to flow through you to the earth. Can you stand with your feet with me today? I'm going to give you something real quick I didn't give first service. You're welcome. This is just a secular article I read the other day. How not to lose your cultural identity while living in a new country. You, you, have, to, you have to realize you're citizens of heaven. You're citizens of heaven. Uh, n- not, nobody can really travel to the U.S. right now except for me because I have a U.S. passport because I'm a citizen. Because you have access. When you're a citizen, you have access. You're a citizen of the kingdom of God. I need you to understand that today. You have access to the kingdom of God. You have a different access. You're a son. You're a daughter. How not to lose your cultural identity while living in a new country. How not to lose your kingdom culture while living in the world. Be in the world, not of it. You've heard that. So the article said this, just a couple things. Maintain your native language. Follow your usual practices and patterns. I think that's what Daniel did in the Bible when he was living in Babylon. The Bible said that he just went and prayed as he always did, (laughs) as it was, was his usual. He just kept praying. If my friends fall away, if the people around me fall away, I'm just gonna keep pursuing God. Keep in touch with your home. Somebody ought to just pray. Keep in touch with your home. Maintain your interests, your interests, the interests of the kingdom. This secular article is just speaking to me. Here's one for you as the announcement says. It says it, says it in the article, join a group. Join a group. Join a group of people who are kingdom-minded like you. That's why somebody today needs to join a small group because you need to get around people that are kingdom culture. If you're going to be able to live in the world, as the culture has tried to be imposed on you. Embrace your cultural traditions. Learn about your native country's history. Guys, you gotta be in the word. You gotta, you gotta get in this thing. You begin to learn the culture as you're in the word. The living, breathing word is you're in prayer. We have to impact the world around us with the culture of heaven. Listen, don't find out that you've been shocked into cultural submission by the world one day.
because of what the world likes to throw at you. Don't look back and say, man, I've been, I've submitted to the world culture. You ought to be somebody who shocks the world around you with the culture of heaven. For those of you in here today who have said, man, maybe, maybe you've gone to church your whole life or maybe you've, maybe it's your first time in church. We're so honored that you're here. And you say, man, I, I want to make the, Jesus the Lord of my life. Because you see, it's, it's different. It's different when, it's a, when, he, when you realize and recognize him as a king. As a king. And as a Lord. Because he reigns. You see, a savior, as I said earlier, everybody wants a savior. You can eventually pay a savior back. If you save my life, I can eventually pay you back. I can do enough good where I feel kind of released from that relationship. I can eventually pay a savior back. But a Lord I must always submit to. A king I must always submit to. And when you give your life to Jesus, you're not just praying a magical prayer. What you're saying is, I submit to you, Lord. It's not about my kingdom anymore. It's about your kingdom. It's not about the cultural aspects that I want. It's about what you want, God. And if you're in here and you've never made that decision to say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life, just lift a hand right now. Let's make that decision today together. And I I believe radically different, your life will be changed. Can everybody say this with me? Lord, I submit my life to you. I don't exactly know what all that means. But I'm putting aside my plans for your plans. My will for your will. I surrender to you, Jesus. Let me just pray for you as we close. Father, I thank you today that your kingdom has come through us. And that despite where we've been, despite what we've done, despite how many times we've messed up, You want to use us as vessels to affect the world around us. And I know when it gets tough, I pray, as as it gets hard because it's a rub with the kingdom culture and the world culture, that the grace would empower us, the grace and the power of God would just move through us to continue. God, when we find ourselves at work having conversations, when we find ourselves in the school having conversations and, and, and and the world trying to slowly take us down a direction, we would be like Jesus and we would rub up against the culture of this world and the culture of the kingdom of God would be revealed right here in Baldwin County, Alabama and the nations as we continue to impact the kingdom, as we continue to impact the world with the kingdom of heaven. In Jesus' name, can we just give God a shout of praise this morning? He is good. King of kings.